Hey, welcome to Hear God's Word. This is Michael. In this podcast, we study and dissect the Bible to better understand what it means and is trying to say. Whether we cover intense word studies or simple stories, there's so many layers and it's all important. So, if you want to hear what God has to say, then let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Hear God's Word. So today, we're going to only do a short recap of what we talked about the previous weeks, and then we're going to jump straight into Genesis 1, 6 through 8. So the previous weeks, what we've been talking about has been God creating everything and Essentially, the earth hadn't really been formed yet, so God started out by creating light, and he saw it was good, and so he differentiated and named the light as day and the darkness as night, and so there was that evening and morning that passed by, and that was the first day. And so we have day one, and now we're on to day two. So let's read about what that says. So in the ESV version, we'll go ahead and read that, the English Standard Version. It says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So... Here we have a little bit of both a tongue twister and maybe a little bit of a mind twister as well. We have waters being repeated over and over. And also there's a few confusing things like what are the waters above that it's talking about? There's no waters above us, at least that we know of. So what exactly is it talking about when it's saying these things? So we'll get into that in a minute, but I was thinking, just like we would normally do if we don't understand, we can obviously go to a dictionary and or a Bible dictionary and look up what exactly the expanse or the waters or look up a commentary and see what are the waters above, like that's confusing. However, let's just try reading it in a different version and see if anything different sticks out to us and if we're able to understand it better. So we have a few different versions we can go with. So we'll go ahead and choose the New International Version, the NIV. And it says... And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. 
So God made the vaults and separated the water under the vaults from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So here we have a few differences. We don't have the word expanse. We have the word vault. So that still doesn't really help us. So like we can kind of picture like we have like a expanse or vaults in the sky. Um, but here we also had when God named in verse 8 what he called the vaults. He called it in the NIV, he said sky. So here we have our answer. If we are paying attention and reading the full context of what is being said, then we see that essentially what the vault is, is the sky, just as the light is basically indicating the daytime, the vaults or the expanse, it is the sky. So it seems like, even though it's strange for us to think about it this way, that God essentially swiped the waters that were essentially the ocean and the sea and the lakes and essentially the water below, as it says, from water that was above. So essentially he pushed it up into the sky or the heavens. So this is what we know as the sky, or we can call it the atmosphere. It's essentially the air and anything that is up in the air or up in the sky seems to be what the vault is. Because if you think about it, if it starts from the waters below, essentially at sea level, all the way up to the sky, essentially that's what we call the atmosphere. So in a way, if you wanted to literally translate the vault, probably atmosphere would probably be the best word. However, probably sky works equally or maybe better in certain contexts. So here we have the waters above and the waters below, but let's go ahead and check out a different version. Let's see if maybe by going with a more traditional translation, if we can pull out some further understanding. So we have here in the New King James, we can read. So the NKJV says, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So here we can see that it's essentially the same sort of pattern when God created the light. It was so. So here when God divides the waters, it happens. And we also have God speaking again. 
And so let's read the last verse, verse 8, and see if it gives us something different maybe than it being called the sky. So it says, And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So here we get a little bit of a different impression. And it also says things a little bit different even when it comes to there being evening and morning. It says, so the evening and the morning were the second day. So we can talk about that in a minute. So essentially the sky, the vault, the firmament, which a lot of people call it that because that's the traditional translation of it, but essentially what a firmament is, is essentially the heavens that we were talking about. It is that sky, it's the atmosphere. So we're also going to open up a small can of worms. And it was hinted at for a minute in the last episode. So we're going to... First off, before we do that, go to one more version, and then we're going to come back to a conversation on what exactly, in a little more detail, may the firmament be, and why are there waters above. So, in the Amplified Bible which is another version. Essentially, it has a lot of things in parentheses and brackets to help you understand. So it's like having notes without having notes on the bottom. So it just includes these sorts of author notes that try to help you understand a little better, and they try and use more modern wording. So let's try reading that and see if it gives us even better understanding. So I recommend the Amplified Bible in several cases, but I also would say watch out to not take 100% of everything that is in the brackets because those are author assertions. So let's read it and see if it does help, though. So it says, And God said, Let there be an expanse, brackets, of the sky, close bracket. So essentially we have it starting out saying, Let there be an expanse of the sky in the midst of the waters. So basically let there be like open expanses or open space in between, in the midst, in the middle of the waters. So in between the waters below and in between the waters above, we have this space. And it says it's the space of the sky. So that's actually pretty helpful. And then, you know, if we're to jump down to the bottom, it it says in verse 8, God called the expanse of sky heaven. So it actually gives us both of them. It says sky and heaven essentially are the same thing. And that's what we have been talking about. So let's also for a second finish and 
then we can start backtracking into these things we're talking about. So earlier we had been talking about essentially what is this expanse or firmament. So that's essentially the easy answer is that the Hebrew way of thinking of things is that when God was creating stuff, that he separated it. I suppose you could kind of say like the Red Sea when he parted it and freed the Israelites from Egypt. So in one sense, you know, maybe God did physically actually make the waters actually separate like that, or maybe there was some other method that God used to get it to that point, Um, or maybe that's how things had come, but he was just structuring and organizing and naming these things. So obviously, it goes without saying, we should talk about, no one was actually there when God was creating these things in the beginning. The only possible people that could have been there at the beginning were other Elohim. As we mentioned the first week, there could have been other sort of angels or heavenly beings that could have been present at the time of some of these things. And we'll get into talking about that later, but let's just leave that aside as a theory for right now. And let's talk also, like we were saying, about the firmament. What exactly is it? Because there's actually a lot of controversy about this topic. In one sense, we've already talked about how it's really simple when you think about it. It's the sky, the heavens, and the heavens were talked about in the very first verse. So in a way, it's talking about essentially the earth side of the heavens, which is everywhere from sea level up to essentially where space starts, because that's where the upper sort of waters start. And um, even we can think about, in a way, the waters could actually even be starting within the actual expanse or like the sky or heavens, because just as I was talking about earlier with in a way, if you want to see God swiping up the waters, because essentially, if you were to literally picture it, essentially, he separates and moves up the waters from below to up above. So you can think of that in the same way as we talk about the process of evaporation because what's happening is the waters below are actually moving to be waters that are above. And so right here, you even have scientific, factual concepts. And even though 
they may have not had the word evaporation back then. Essentially, either God had revealed these things to the beginning authors or the very original people who passed the information down. And it's possible that the sons of God could have known about the creation and told the people, which ended up passing that down, or we could even have just people doing science very back early in history and being smarter than we think they were. Because essentially, as we go through the stories in the Bible, we're going to find that time and time again, they knew things that seem mind-boggling in one sense that they could have known these sorts of things. But I think that a lot of times we have a wrong concept that these were mythological cavemen who essentially were making up myths because they didn't know any better and they were just trying to make up some sort of thing that they couldn't understand. And as we go through the story, you'll see that it's nothing like that. And if you're going to try and understand the stories in this book, you're going to have to put aside those kinds of archaic modern thoughts about what the Bible is trying to convey. And so, you know, in one sense, you know, we spend a lot of time trashing the Bible in modern culture, but at the same time, it has a lot of wisdom that if we took the time to, we could learn things that science has been trying to figure out for ages because we essentially have the story of the beginning. It's just a lot of people are not willing to look at and try to line up the details because as we'll read through the creation story, you'll see that it essentially lines up with the same things we know about science these days. It will just be a little bit difficult to sort out the literal wording because as we've talked about a little bit so far, we can't always take every single word with its base English definitions at least every single time because, for example, when we get into the famous story of Adam and Eve in the garden and we have the man and the woman, and God says not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he says if they eat from the fruit that they'll die, and then they don't die. So if we're to take that literally, then we have a problem on our hands because essentially the story is saying that God's a liar, even if it literally doesn't say that. So that's obviously not what that specific passage is trying to say. It's not trying to point out that God's a liar. We have to look into more of the specific meaning that they were trying to convey as opposed to just 
assuming things about what they're trying to say. So that's why I wanted to do this podcast because there's so many different views out there and I want to go over all of it so that we have a fair look at what this book that is inspired by God is trying to say. So here we are learning about the story of the beginning of the world and Honestly, what kind of better record of history could we possibly be going over? I mean, everyone wants to know what happened at the beginning. And so many times we just pass this up because we assume that essentially it's a made up myth. So I want to challenge that notion. It means what it says, even if it doesn't literally in English, line up the way that you're thinking about it. And so that's what we're trying to do, is to discover what it is trying to say. And so as we move on, you know, we're talking about the firmament. Let's talk about a theory in some circles. There's the theory that we were talking about the canopy or, you know, the expanse. And there's also some people who term it as a dome because not only is there people who believe that the earth is essentially floating out in space and is not anchored down by anything and that we're on a globe, but there's also people who believe that the earth is flat and there's people who believe that that was the original viewpoint of people back then. Honestly, I think the most humble thing for us to do is to say that as of for right now in history, we don't know 100% what they believed about the structure and layout and geography of the entire earth and I've seen pictures out there of their model and they may or may not be fully accurate so I think you want to take those kinds of things with a grain of salt because people are always learning new things and they're tweaking history but technically history can't be tweaked because it is what it is and I think that's why we need to take science and history both with a grain of salt and believe what these words are saying because time and time again as we find out more about our world it just keeps confirming what this book talks about and so we like I said you know on one side have the typical view of the globe but then we also have I just wanted to explain it really quick essentially a canopy or a dome that is essentially sheltering or protecting earth from the heavens and the outside places essentially many people especially part of the flat earth community believe that it's protecting us from essentially gods or other heavenly sort of beings and from 
in one sense, we can go back to the, the globe and we can say that we have what's considered the ozone layer and that protects us from the sun's rays. So in one sense, you know, this is part of the firmament, but taking it back to what the Bible is actually talking about, the firmament as it's mentioned is literally just anywhere part of the atmosphere. It's anywhere from the waters below, as it says, to the waters above. So that may be, you know, the clouds, because it's the water that's essentially evaporated into the heavens above. Or it could even be referring to essentially outer space, because in a way that's kind of like the deep, the deep space. So, in a way, the deep space and the waters, the deep waters, have a lot in common, kind of as we talked about in the first part of the creation with the waters and all. So, let's move on to one last thing with the whole waters situation, and that's talking about, well, how did the waters actually get there? And so let's clear up how we could understand this, because how can we justify the waters being there if it didn't say God created it? So we could have it a few different ways or understand it a couple different ways either. It could have been that when God created the heavens and the earth, that the waters were just a given, that God created them just like he created stuff in the empty space in general. So in a way, we've talked about how um, in one sense, there was the deep space and the waters being semi-equivalent in a way. So maybe the waters and the space kind of are merged into the same like sea of nothingness in the wasteland that we were talking about in verse 2. So that's one of the ways. And then we could also say that when God created the heavens and the earth, that even though it didn't say maybe he made the waters and it just left that out because, as I said, maybe it was a given for them. So those are a couple different ways of explaining why they wrote it the way they did because obviously it was on purpose. It just is a weird way of writing to us, but it wouldn't totally have been for them. So I'm just trying to help you guys see how they could have thought that and why they would have written it that way. And if you think about it this way, it makes total sense, even though we wouldn't have written it that way. So the last thing that we'll talk about before we recap is how, again, we go back to the day. So we had day one, and now it says that there was evening, which is the dark and the night, and then there was morning, which is the day and the light, and that was the second day. 
So now we have elapsed two days and we see that this is obviously an important cycle and construct that God's made that there's a cycle and that night and day didn't just happen once, now it's happened twice. And so we see even God steps into this cycle to create things. But I want to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. So it technically doesn't say that the sun and the moon were created. Is it just a given when the night and the dark were um, made with the light in the day? Is it just assuming this? So we'll obviously talk about that coming up, but I just wanted to throw that out there because if the sun and the moon technically weren't made, how can you have literally 24-hour days? So this can play into the theory of the old earth with it being more than six to however many thousand years old. And... At the same time, like I talked about in the first few episodes, there is plenty of good research suggesting that the Earth could be anywhere from ten to 6,000 years old, and I wouldn't discount it if I were you. I'd at least look into the research. So with that said, that brings us to the end of day two, and we have one more letter, actually, which is the pay again, which is that section marker. So essentially, day one is its own section. Now day two is its own section. You can kind of think of this like a devotion in a way. So let's think about and reflect on day one. You know, all right, this is one whole section, like, let's focus on and read this, and now let's put the book down and spend time reflecting on, you know, God made everything, and then God makes light, and like God is present in, in his creation and moving in it, and God is also creating and naming and structuring the days. And now we have God bringing this section to a halt. And so it's like the end of a chapter in a way. So now, you know, we reflect on that. We think about like, man, so God is the one who is making all of these things. And and this God, he was present at the beginning, and he's there. And at the same time, even though there is nothing that we know to begin with. He's sculpting and making and creating light in this nothingness. And man, that's amazing thinking about how there is nothing. And also, like I talked about last week, just reflecting on the beauty and the innate 
warmth that the sun provides for us as humans and all life in general, like we can reflect on that literally and uh, like pun intended, we can reflect on that for essentially our entire lives. You know, someone can spend every day of their life soaking in the sun on a nice beach and for some reason that's something that never seems to get tiring or you after a really tough week happen to see a sunrise and there's something really refreshing and beautiful about it so like we can reflect all day on these sorts of things and we can also you know ask all of these questions and meditate on it because the bible isn't meant to just be something we read but as we go through the scripture more i wanted to convey that a lot of people in the past and especially the ancient view is it's not just a book to read through really quick, especially when you have the section markers. It means like stop here. That's the end of a section. Now go back and think about what you just read and like repeat it back to yourself and think about the implications of God creating everything. So we have now the first two days. So wrapping everything up, we essentially have on the first day the light and the heavens and the earth being created. But then here on day two, we have specifically the waters being separated and we have the distinction of the sky or the atmosphere or what is the heavens. And so now essentially we're starting to form the structure of the universe. And so on day three, in the next episode, we'll be talking about essentially the last part of the forming of structure of the universe. And then on the fourth, fifth, and sixth day, it kind of mirrors the form and it goes to what's filled inside of what was formed. And, uh, we will go more into that. Like, for example, you know, the the skies and the heavens are made. So what is filled with that? That would be things like the stars and the sun and the moon and things like that. So we'll go more into those in future episodes. So thanks for sticking with, and I hope that you we're able to grow in understanding more about what the Bible's talking about. Hey, I'm so glad you guys could join for today's podcast. I hope things click for you and that you're better able to understand God's word. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So keep listening to what God has to say. And I'll see you guys next time. God bless.